you'll take your Bibles and let's turn over first to 1 Corinthians. And we're going to look at two different passages today, at least in our reading. We're going to begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll start there. We're going to read a few passages from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And then we'll turn and look at some passages in the Gospel of Mark. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I want to begin reading at verse 9. I'm going to read verses 9, 10, and 11. And then we're going to turn over to Mark chapter 7. So let's look first at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verses 9 through 11. Let's, let's see here. Let me, I, I've turned up the wrong one myself, and so let's, let's see here. 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now if you'll turn to Mark chapter 7, Mark's Gospel chapter 7, and we're going to start reading at verse 14, Mark's Gospel chapter 7, and I'll begin with verse 14 and read through the end of verse 23. Jesus is speaking. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that... Whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, Envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. This is God's word. Let me pray. Father, these are your people whom you love and whom you've redeemed. And this morning, we are gaining some measure of comfort by knowing that if we confess our sins, You are faithful and just to cleanse us. That the blood of Christ is not just sufficient for long ago, it is sufficient for right now, right where we're at, with a continual cleansing for those who confess their sin. And so today, may we lift up our eyes, no matter where we're at in life, no matter what has brought us low, no matter what stumbling or falling or sin that we have fallen into. May we look to Jesus today and find 
forgiveness and hope for the future. In his name we pray. Amen. Now, we have been in a series that we've entitled Hot Topics. And we've been doing this through the summer months. And have a few more to go when we get into August. But uh, Hot Topics, by that we mean things that, one, one of their topics, you know, just picking a topic. But hot meaning it's not always easy, not always comfortable to look at. We started with, should a Christian smoke pot? We followed that up by, should a Christian drink alcohol? Today, we are looking at the porn problem. And you might be able to say, you know, it'd be fair to say, should a Christian view pornography? And I, I think all of us would say immediately, well, no, they, they, they should not. But brothers and sisters, the Bible speaks much about the struggle all believers will have with their flesh and their lustful passions. Make no mistake about it. The Bible speaks a great deal about believers. Now listen, believers, speaking to believers this morning, I'm not addressing the outside world. If they happen to be listening today, their unbelievers happen to be listening today, there's hope for you. Okay? But I'm speaking primarily to the church. And the Bible has a lot to say to Christians about the ongoing struggles we have with our flesh and lustful passions. And for many, the struggle is with pornography. Friends, this is what some have called the worst thing to happen in the church. Now, I don't, I don't know. That's pretty extreme language. I think it's Chuck Swindoll who made the statement that, that pornography in the church among believers is one of the biggest problems in the history of the church. I don't know if that's true. I don't know, but I do know this. It is a problem within the church. And it is a problem that is shared both by males and females. I I read something recently from a lady who was attending church, and she was part of that church, but she had been caught up in pornography. And and she was writing this, you know, just writing to say, hey, look, pastors, preachers, don't just think this is a male problem, a male issue. It is an issue among females. Now, you may be here today and you may be in its grip. You may be hearing me today uh, and, and you may be in the grip of pornography. You feel trapped, ashamed, and hopeless. But I want you to know that the Bible has wonderful news for those who are beginning to feel that they'll never find victory in the fight against porn. Many, many say that When they're in that darkness, in despair, they feel like they're never going to have victory over this fight. But I want to say to you, if you feel that way today, there is wonderful news in the Bible. The gospel offers complete forgiveness. Now think about that. I know right now, you know, you you, you might, might be difficult to persuade you right at this moment. But if you'll stay with us, I hope to persuade you from God's word that in the gospel there is complete forgiveness. I mean, whether it be pornography or whether it be some other weight or sin that has drug you down, the gospel offers complete forgiveness. Also, 
There is an offer of a new power by the Holy Spirit enabling us to fight sin and grow in holiness. Every believer has been given the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to empower you and I to fight, to fight against sin and to continue to grow in holiness. Also, there's good news in this. Jesus is very realistic about the power that sin can exert over us. I mean, Jesus understands. I don't think Jesus would look at anybody today who is caught in some form of sin and and cast them away and say, get away from me, get away from me. I don't think so. Jesus knows, he's very realistic about the power that sin can exert, but he also has a message of hope for us no matter how low we have sunk. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. So there's good news, there's wonderful news from the Bible, but let's take a look at something for just a moment. What is pornography anyway? We hear that word a lot. It's pervasive in our culture. But here's a definition that might help you. Pornography is printed or visual material containing the explicit description or display of sexual organs or activity intended to stimulate sexual excitement. Erotic depictions in art, sculpture, and pottery have been discovered in virtually every ancient culture. Did you know that? In other words, this is not a 20th century occurrence. It's not a 21st century occurrence. This has been around since the beginning of the fall. Does the Bible address pornography? Does it have anything specific to say about pornography? And if you'll notice in the text that we looked at last, in Mark's gospel, if you still have your Bible open, I hope you do, look at verse 21. Jesus said, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, and notice what it says next, sexual immorality. Sexual immorality, uh, some translations translate that fornication. And both of those English translations are from the Greek word pornea, which we get our English word pornography. So does the Bible address pornography? You better believe it does. So in light of that, as Christians, I want us to consider three things today. There is so much, so much that could be said. I do not even begin to have the time to cover everything. But I want to look at, one, the problem. Number two, the cause. And finally, the good news. First, the problem. Now, if you're like me, if you get a lot of statistics, you kind of get dull to them. You know, you'll, you'll hear this statistic and this statistic, and they're all designed to help show you the problem. But after a while, you're kind of like just overwhelmed with the statistics. And so I'm not going to overload you with statistics, but there is just one at least, I guess you might say, that I need for you to know. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'm, I'm helpful, I've been helped by Josh McDowell by this, by his information. And so first thing I want you to think about is there are over 26 million pornographic sites online. Over 26 million. Now, I want to I take one site that I've read about. One site, and, and all of this, they're more than glad to tell you about because they want, they want to advertise and, and people to know that this is a really up-and-coming site. One out of the over 26 million site to date has recorded 
3,119 petabytes. Now, what is a petabyte? A petabyte has to do with digital information. So you see on the overhead, one petabyte of digital information equals 20 million four-drawer file cabinets filled with text. Now, I want you to picture that for a moment, if you can. 20 million four-drawer file cabinets filled with text. That is one petabyte of information. But this particular site, this one out of, out of 26 million, this one recorded to date 3,119 petabytes. Now, what's that translate into? That is 20 billion four-drawer file cabinets filled with text, which equates to 1.7 trillion pages. How many pages is that? If you were to count them, it would take you 300,000 years just to count the pages from one pornographic site. Here's the shocking part. Of that 20 billion, 6.9 billion were viewed by children. In your bulletin today, I hope you'll take this home, especially if you're struggling in this area or you know someone. In your bulletin, you'll see a list of websites for help for those who are fighting this fight. One of those sites is Covenant Eyes. Mom, Dad, listen to me carefully. That site, there is an article, and I ran across this the other day and was so grateful for it, an article entitled, How to React the First Time Your Child Admits Watching Porn. You need to pull that article up, run it off, and keep it handy because your child is going to run across porn. You can put them in Christian school. You can put them in private school. You can homeschool them. You, you can put up all the fences and all the protections you want. If they have a cell phone, if they have access to a computer, if their friends have access, they're going to view pornography. It's going to happen. And this article is very helpful. How to react as a parent the first time your child admits watching porn. It is an excellent article, and it will help you not go off the rails. It will help you constructively to help your son or your daughter. And I might even add this, you know, you might just start teaching them healthy sexuality in God's design. You know, you might just say, hey, to your son or your daughter, did you know in the first two chapters of Genesis, what do you have? You have the living God in fellowship with a man and a woman who are naked, and God tells them, have sex in the context of marriage. He said, be fruitful and multiply. That's God's way of saying they're going to have sex. And so God has given us the beautiful gift of sex. We need to teach our children about the beauty of that gift so that when they see the distorted element of it, they'll understand what's going on. Listen to this one. I'll, I'll finish with the stats after this. Another site, one of the one of the, or the other 26 million pornographic sites, every second, now just go, every second, they boast 4,000 new videos every second. You may go, how in the world can they do that? Sex trafficking. Sex trafficking. That's, that's, that's the, the bounty of sex trafficking. You've got more people to shoot more videos. Okay, is this a Christian problem? Is this a Christian problem? 
was reading an article about a man who builds hotels, conference centers, and he was visiting one that he built. He spoke to the owner of the building, and the owner said this, that they sold more pay-per-view pornographic movies during youth ministry conferences than any other industry sector. You'll see a picture of a man named Josh McDowell. Josh McDowell has been a Christian apologist, speaker, primarily to youth and youth ministry throughout the last few decades. He said this, he began to notice something was wrong. He would speak to youth and speak to big, massive youth conferences, and he began to notice something was wrong with the youth. He described it this way, there was an erosion of biblical authority. You see, when you, when you are fooling around with things you shouldn't be fooling around with, you profess to be Christian, but you're fooling around with things you, you shouldn't be fooling around with, what will be undermined is the authority of the Word of God. That's the only way you're going to be able to keep yourself sane. Because God is saying, God, God's saying, don't do this, and you're doing it, and you're going to have to get rid of something. And so they were beginning, Josh McDowell was beginning to find an erosion of biblical authority. And he told his wife, he said, I don't understand what's going on, but I've got to find out. He began to do a lot of research, spent a lot of his own personal money. And one day he called his wife. He said, I figured it out. It's pornography. It's pornography. Sam Sotero is a pastor. He pastored for years. He told about a man in his early 20s in his church who was finding trouble uh, ha- getting a wife. You know, he, he, would, he would date women and things would fall apart. And so the pastor said, I'm going to try to help you out. I'm going to you know, try to grease rails a little bit. I'll try to help you a little bit. And it seemed that every relationship failed for this young man. And it seemed like that he was always holding out for something better. And eh, not her, you know, I think I'm going to wait for something better to come along. Well, finally, Sam sat down with this young man and looked like, we need to have a talk here. You know, you can't seem to find anybody who lives up to your expectations. He said, I, wanna, I want you to tell me, what are your habits? And he's specifically asking this. He asked him if he was viewing pornography. The young man said, yes. He said, I've viewed it for the past 10 years. Now, keep in mind, he was in his early 20s. So he began in his adolescence. And he was not embarrassed. He was unapologetic. He didn't believe that there was anything wrong with it. Young, 21-year-old in the church. And he couldn't find, he couldn't find a relationship. And why the pastor began to assume, you know, here's what's going on. There's something in his life, and it turned out to be pornography. I think we can make a case for what we might call porn paralysis. Let me explain what I mean. As a believer, Christ has set you free to live for the glory of God. Yet, there are believers, and not, not, not just young people. Now, don't misunderstand me. Some of the examples we've used so far have been, been young people. But friend, this is not a sin that is isolated to youth. And so, there are believers whose capacity for rich relationships have been paralyzed because of pornography. God, God redeemed you and I, and he, he gave us gifts. And he gave us the capacity to love one another, to, to care for one another. But, but there are some, their capacity for rich relationships have been paralyzed because of pornography. They've withdrawn into darkness instead of coming out into the light and loving one another. Could we make a case for porn paralysis? How about a capacity to sing praise unto the Lord being paralyzed? I've you know, been here 24 years. I don't, watch, don't, don't get paranoid. I don't watch everybody. But every once in a while, you know, I'll look out and 
I see people just kind of standing and gazing at a screen, not, not singing a word of praise. And I'm not insinuating that you're, you're, you're a porn addict because you do that. I'm, I, there's some days I don't feel like singing, okay? I get that. But I don't know if we can make a case for not singing for 24 years, you know? I mean, what I'm saying is, I think we can make a case for our capacity to sing praise can be paralyzed by porn. We come to church and, and we come to church and we, we got this thing going on. We can't seem to generate any kind of praise into the Lord because we're, we're so sucked down in despair and despondency. How about our capacity for godly ambitions paralyzed? Over the last couple of weeks, I've heard some of the chatter, you know, you know, like, well, you know, about drinking and smoking pot and all this kind of stuff. And, and you know, I, I'm so amazed at, at, at the pushback. Sometimes people will say, but, but what about, but what about? My what about is this. What about your godly ambitions? What about those? Instead of saying, well, uh, uh, isn't it okay if I drink under this condition? Okay, fine. But what about your godly ambitions? What, what, what kind... God done a work in you that you would be ambitious to live for the glory of God, to do for the glory of God. And so often those godly ambitions can become paralyzed because we fall into the grip of a particular sin. Hunger and thirst for righteousness paralyzed because we kneel at the broken cistern of porn. Friends, porn takes control. It, it, it is much like a tick. It just embeds itself right in our life. Porn is listed as one of the works of the flesh. Remember, the Bible tells us that the flesh is that, is that part of us that generates desires that are hostile to God and oppose his will for our lives. Even as a Christian, you deal with the flesh, that part of you that's hostile Desires that are hostile to God. And when, when we live according to the flesh, we live apart from the rule of God. See, that's why the Bible tells us not, not to walk in the flesh, but walk in the spirit. And when we walk in the flesh, here's the truth. We are living apart from the rule of God. On the other hand, the Bible tells us to walk according to the spirit, which means to live according to the direction and the rule of God. The flesh the Bible tells us, and the Holy Spirit within us, war against one another. See, when you have those conflicts, when those, those feelings of being pulled this way and pulled this way, you know that there's a war going on between your flesh and the Holy Spirit, and therefore, we struggle. And here, here's some helpful news. God knows how easy it is for someone to get addicted to porn. I mean, God knows, and that's why we have so much of the New Testament to help us with these struggles and the fights that go on. God describes that struggle we have as part of our sinful nature that we inherited from Adam and Eve, who remember who were originally tempted by their eyes and the desire to possess what they saw. A few months ago, um, I've been trying to remember exactly how this happened, but uh, so how many of you, you ladies, especially you're, you know, you're familiar with the Pinterest app, you know, Pinterest. Yep. Okay. Uh, usually what you see there is crafts, home decor, things like that, you know? And I think, I think at some time I'd ask one of my grandchildren to, to load that on my phone. And I don't, ex I don't exactly remember why, but I think it was for something for Catherine. But anyway, here's, here's the point that, that app 
was on my phone and never had used it, never had opened it up myself. And uh, I began to notice that there was little numbers that would show up, like, like the numbers that show up on an app where like you missed a phone call or you missed a text. It would be like a one, a two, three, four, five, whatever. And so I thought, what in the world? So I tapped the, tapped the app. Uh-oh. This Pinterest app had more than home decor, let me tell you that. It was, it was filled with both what you would call softcore and hardcore porn. Now, I don't know, I don't know how this happened. Uh, and, and what happened at first was, of course, I was shocked. I was shocked and I was like, oh boy, you know, uh, how am I going to explain this to my wife? You know, she, is she, I mean, is she going to think that I loaded this? And then I began thinking, okay, now how am I going to get rid of it? Because I'm not that tech savvy. And so I thought, how am I going to get rid of this? But then I hate to admit this, but, but if, if it helps somebody, maybe so. Um, it was like I tapped the brakes for a moment. Because first of all, I got to get rid of this. You know, I got to get rid of this. And I began to tap the brakes a little bit, you know, slow down a little bit. Uh, you know, this, this struggle, war, began in my mind was like, you know, you don't have to get rid of it now. You don't have to get rid of it right now. You just cool your heels. You haven't been looking at it, have you? And I thought, no, I haven't. <laughs> well, just leave it, you know, and that way if you ever do want to look at it. What was I doing? I was, I was rationalizing. I was rationalizing, and, and I was experiencing that struggle, the flesh and the spirit. By God's grace... I took my phone to my wife. I said, look, here's what happened. I don't know what happened. And she looked at it and said, oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. And so what did we do? Like any grandparent, we called our grandchildren and said, can you get this off for us? <laughs> By the grace of God. You know, I mean, I, could, I, I look back on that and I can feel the, the, the tentacles, the temptation. You know, I really, I hate, I hate to admit it, but I, I did. I felt temptation, the struggle. And sometimes, friends, we lose the battle, don't we? Sometimes we lose the battle. But what's the cause? We've talked about the problem, but what's the cause? Well, look at verse 21 with me in the text you have in front of you in Gospel of Mark. For from within, he's, a, he's asked the question, what, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, notice this next phrase, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality. There's that word, pornea. Now, here's, here's what we're looking at. According to Jesus, pornography is a heart issue. You, you might say, well, I only did it because, or I, I fell into it because of this. And, and there might be a number of different incidental paths that got you there. But the truth is, according to Jesus, this is a heart issue. Your heart is the innermost nature of your being. And according to Jesus, moral defilement comes from our heart. Okay? Now, stick with me here. Because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bore down, and, and Jesus will help us to understand the cause of pornography. So it comes from our heart. But you, you, if you're listening to me, if you're, you're pretty sharp, you're going, but wait a minute. Now, if I'm a Christian, I have a new heart. That is true. If you're a Christian, you have been given a new heart. Remember? The old stony heart taken out, new heart of flesh put in. That old unresponsive hard heart removed, now the responsive new heart given. And so for Christians, we have a new heart. And so, well, wait a minute, it says, Jesus said, you know, this is a heart issue. Yes, Christians have a new heart, which means, now listen closely, 
which means we have new internal desires from the Holy Spirit. To have a new heart, to have a new heart means you have been given new internal desires from the Holy Spirit. So now you say, then why am I still tempted? Why do I have conflicting desires? Why do I sometimes lose the battle? And I want you to listen to this answer very carefully because I found this helpful and I believe you will too. It is because our new heart is best understood as being in progression. You should not look at this new heart being given to us like, there it is, everything's fixed, no more problems. No, we have a new heart, but it's best understood as a new heart in progression. Let me give you a couple of examples. We're told that we are being transformed from glory unto glory. That's progression, right? We are told that God began a good work in you and he will continue it. So we are being transformed. We are God's workmanship in process. And so what that means is while we live in this world as believers, our new internal desires from the Holy Spirit are in conflict, our war with the competing desires of our flesh. So even though we have a new heart, Jesus is right when he says, this is a problem that is a heart issue. You see, it's because the tendency of the human heart is to always be looking to put its trust in something, always. The human heart is always looking for something, someone to put its trust in. And that's why that we must guard our heart and continually realign our heart to trust Jesus. That is why we need consistent, regular worship constantly realigning our heart because our heart has a tendency to shift its trust, you see. And we were designed as believers to put our trust in Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we will put our trust in something else. Let me give you an example. Many of you will remember Pete Rose, well-known baseball player. After 14 years of denial, Pete Rose came clean and admitted that he was on, that he He admitted that he bet on baseball while manager of the Cincinnati Reds, and he did this in his book, My Prison Without Bars. Listen to what he said and and, and how this gambling vice is very similar to the issues of pornography. Here's what he said. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was pushing toward disaster. A part of me was still looking for ways to recapture the high I got from winning winning batting titles and World Series. If I couldn't get the high from playing baseball, then I needed a substitute to keep from feeling depressed. I was driven in gambling as well as in baseball. Even enough was never enough. I had huge appetites and I was always hungry. What is Pete describing there? He gambled, but what was the cause? It was a heart issue. Heart issue. He he remembered that exhilaration of winning titles and acclaim and fame and World Series and he hungered for that. He, he, he had a hunger for that in his heart. You see. Yes, friends, porn is always a symptom of deeper issues. If you are battling this sin, if you are entrenched in this sin, please understand from Jesus that porn is always a symptom of deeper issues, heart 
issues, really. But let me hurry on. The good news. Already likened pornography to, to a tick. And if you, if, you, if you have this going on in your life, here's, what, here's what's going on. You, you enjoy the pleasure of it. You do. And there's a reason why. Because when you view it, whether live images on a screen or, or printed material, when you do, it releases what's called dopamine in the brain. And it's a, a pleasure. You get a pleasure kick. But then when the pleasure kick wears off, there's often private shame and private despair. Because there's always this retreat into darkness. Have you ever noticed this before? You, you go to a cookout, there's a conversation going on, and you, you know, you, somebody will say, hey, you know, here's what, you know, we've been on vacation the last couple of weeks. We've been doing this, we've been doing this. What, what have you been up to the last couple of weeks? You'll never hear anybody say, I've been watching porn for two weeks. They just will not do that, right? You, you know that. But, but listen, Neither will they say, I've been gossiping the last two weeks. <laughs> I've been destroying people's character. I've been lying about them. They don't say that either, do they? Why? It's because when we're sinning, we retreat into the darkness. Let me ask you something. Do you remember, now, if, if you're struggling with this and any of this is, is resonating with you, do you remember the times in your life when you did not feel trapped by the sin? Or let me ask it this way. Do you remember times in your life when you felt free, you were walking in the light, you were enjoying making some measured degree of, of, of growing in holiness. Know that feeling of you know, being able to know I'm living good conscience before God and before man. You lay your head down, get up in the morning and know that you are what you are by the grace of God. You don't have this lingering thing hanging there like a, this dark cloud. You remember that time? Remember that time in your Christian life when it was sweet and you were walking in the light and now you might say, I am so, I am so sick of the darkness. I want so bad to walk in the light, but I am so unclean. That's what porn will leave you feeling, unclean, ashamed. I want you to see a picture. Uh, This is a picture of Bobby Moore and Queen Elizabeth. This picture was originally taken in 1966, therefore it was not in color. Color's been added. There is a wonderful story behind this picture that I cannot wait to tell you. Again, it was in 1966. England had won the World Cup trophy for soccer. Bobby Moore on the right was the captain of England's team. And so it was appropriate for him to come up and to receive the trophy from Queen Elizabeth. Now, this is what we see so far in the picture, but what we don't see is ever more fascinating. An interviewer who observed what was going on that we cannot see in this picture, an interviewer asked Bobby Moore after this incident, he said, look, uh, tell me what was going on. He said, you look like you were afraid. And he said, I was absolutely terrified as I approached the royal platform. What happened was he noticed that the queen was wearing white gloves, and you'll see them in the picture. He noticed that the queen was wearing white gloves. However, after a long soccer match, Bobby Moore's hands were filthy and caked with mud. He realized, "Uh uh-oh, the queen has white gloves on. I'm going to soil her gloves. 
And so he frantically begins to take his hands and wiping them on his white trunks. And then when he gets up real close, you would have actually seen him trying to clean his hands on the velvet cloth in front of the royal box. He was frantically trying to get himself clean. When I read about that, I thought, it's not the queen that we must approach. We're concerned about approaching God who is pure through and through. You might be here this morning and you think, that's why I have trouble. That's why I have trouble singing. I feel unclean. That's why I have trouble reading the scriptures. That's why I have trouble even sitting still. It's I have trouble. I come to church, but I have trouble because I feel unclean. Let me turn back to the first text that we read this morning in 1 Corinthians, and I want to read you something that is beautiful beyond measure. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul was speaking to Christians like you and I, and he said this, he said, Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's saying, don't, don't be deceived by the message of progressive Christianity that says, you know, it really just does not matter how you live. doesn't matter what you're addicted to. Don't be deceived. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says to these people in verse 11, do you see it? And such were some of you, but you were washed. Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Such were some of you. Some of you were porn addicts, and you felt unclean, and you tried to get yourself clean, trying to clean your hands before a holy God. And you were trying desperately to do a little more of this and give a little more of this, trying to compensate. But when the glorious gospel was proclaimed... And you came to Jesus Christ. He said, give me those hands. And he washed them. He washed away all the stains. And these words here that we just read apply to everyone who is trusted in Christ. The grace of God in Christ washes out with continual floods of mercy the guilt of even our deepest failures. It is a continual flow. This is what God does through Christ in his great mercy. Floods of mercy, abounding grace. Even when we are at our lowest, this is what he does. Can you believe that? Will you believe that? This is what God does, but what must you do? One, we read this at the beginning of our service this morning. What must you do? Confess your sin. And run to the gospel. That's our only hope. Step out of the darkness. All the dirt on our hands. Lord, here I am. I'm sorry. I've been so trapped in this. I can't seem to make any headway. I failed. Confess your sin and run to the gospel. Run to the God who said that he is faithful and just to cleanse you and forgive you when you confess your sin. And if you're struggling... Don't let it be a lonely battle. What I mean by that is talk to someone who knows you and loves you. Will you do that? Will you, will you be willing, by the grace of God, to step out of the darkness, 
Step into the forgiving light of a kind and gracious God and find somebody who knows and loves you. Why? You might say, why should I do that? It's because people change with the help of others. God said this, admonish the idle, exchange, or encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. It's in the context of the body of Christ that we can change, we can grow, we can find forgiveness, patience, help in our struggle. So first, confess your sin, run to the gospel. Number two, adopt a radical lifestyle of repentance. You see, so much of what we often do is we, we start subtracting. We go, okay, okay, I got to get serious here. I got to get rid of this. Gotta get this off my phone. Get this, get do this. Get, get. And we start, we're, we're subtracting things. But in this radical lifestyle of repentance, there must be addition too. We must add. And what I mean by that is, will you consider what holy ambitions that you have been ignoring all along? You've been so caught up, been in the darkness, you've been so caught up, been so trapped, and you're stepping out into the light. Now, will you consider what are the things that I was paralyzed to, that I've been ignoring? What delights in God have I neglected? Oh, I can assure you this. It's going to be very difficult to love reading God's word and letting him speak to you when you're in the darkness. Probably one of the things you've neglected is God's word, communion with him, prayer with him. So begin to consider, God, what kind of things, what kind of spiritual disciplines have I, have I just ignored? What do I need to add in my life, not just subtract? And then finally, what do you need to do? You need to keep looking to Jesus. I need to keep looking to Jesus. You need to keep looking to Jesus. Let me read you just a couple of things and I'll be done. This is one believer who kept, who kept losing the fight. He kept losing the fight again and again. Here's what they said. However much I tried it, the willpower of just don't look at it never worked for me. I could go for a few days, and then the hole left just had to be filled. See, there's a hole, heart issue. But, when, but then God made me realize that my choice was not simply between sinning or not. It was, it was between desiring Jesus who would satisfy or desiring something else which wouldn't. The struggle didn't become easy then, but it did become winnable because I realized I had to choose not to walk away from something, but towards someone. See, there's that subtraction and addition. See, sometimes we just say, I'll walk away from this. I'll walk away from this. But you have to, at the same time, be walking to someone, to the Lord Jesus. Look to the Lord Jesus and do this. Get up and get back in the fight. Oh, you, you'll, you'll feel like, oh my goodness, I just don't know you. You'll feel so filled with despair. But friend, by the grace of God, get up and fight again. Get up by the grace and the strength of God. He's for you, not against you. Get up and fight. Heath Lambert, who was here a few years ago, spoke about this very subject. He writes this. You need to be the kind of person who fights for a close relationship with Jesus more than you fight against pornography. When you find yourself working to look to Christ more than you find yourself working to avoid porn, you will know you've turned the corner. A living, 
breathing relationship with Jesus will drive porn out of your life quicker than anything else. When you turn your eyes to Jesus, there isn't room for anything else in your heart because he fills it up. So as we close, how is your relationship with Jesus? Isn't that really what it comes down to? Should a Christian smoke pot? Really another question that could follow that is how is your relationship with Jesus? That'll have all together implications for that question. Should a Christian drink alcohol? How's your relationship with Jesus? How important is it for you to live carefully for him and to live wise and grow in holiness? Should a Christian view pornography? How's your relationship with Jesus?